You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Welcome to Riverside Online, to our live stream. If you're new to this, my name is Bill, Pastor Bill Ellis. And I want you today to just sense God's presence in your heart, in your life. And I know that uh, we've been living in challenging times and so many things are changing, but I want you to know God still is God. God is still there. God wants you to know he loves you, he cares about you, and he wants the best for you. Today, we are beginning a new sermon series. And in fact, it is the last sermon series in our annual theme. We pick an annual theme every year. And this past year, we go from September to August, this past year was the theme, Fully Alive. And uh, the theme verse was Jesus's words, I came that you might have life and have it in all of its fullness, or more abundantly, as another version says. And um, when we picked this out over a year ago, little did we expect that we would be facing a global pandemic and that would cause so much isolation and so much disruption in our plans. And, you know, the thought of being fully alive or having life abundantly or life to the fullest just doesn't correspond with my inability to go out to the movies or to to go see a concert or sit in an air-conditioned restaurant and have a meal with my wife and friends. It just... That does not feel like the abundant life that I designed for myself. But I have to laugh at myself when I start to feel such self-pity and sometimes even indignation that we're going through what we're going through with the inability to do these things because Jesus said those words to people who would have thought they died and went to heaven if they could ever feel air conditioning, if they could ever see a movie, if they could ever be served in one of our restaurants or even worship in one of the facilities that we have to worship in. So I'm just trying to not feel too much self-pity and indignation about this. I mean, think about it, wearing a mask and keeping distance from people for a period of time in order to keep a a small percentage of our neighbors and family members from getting deathly sick uh, and cause this virus to die off. I wouldn't call that oppression. I think that's common sense. I think it's loving your neighbor. Our new theme this year A year ago, this theme that we laid out uh, for today's sermon series and beginning in August, here we're having here is we're calling it Life on the Edge. Maybe some of us are feeling like we're living on the edge of insanity these days. That's not what we're talking about. Life on the Edge is really about ordinary people whose stories are etched in the annals of history and scripture because they said yes to God's call. And they decided to, to, to get out on the edge, to leave their homes, to leave their comfortable surroundings, and, and to step out on the edge of the unknown so that they could forge a path for God's plan and God's people. So life on the edge really speaks of the courage it takes to advance God's purposes in this world. For instance, Abraham 
forged a path of courageous faith. I'll be speaking about Abraham today. Joseph forged a path of courageous integrity and wisdom. Moses forged a path of this courageous humility and leadership. Daniel, the three Hebrew children, Esther, all forged this path about having a courageous witness in the face of corrupt leadership. We're going to be going, looking at these people and finding maybe application in our own lives how perhaps we could live a little more on the edge of God's will and the edge of God's plan, leading the way for others. In preparing this message this week, I couldn't help but, but look at and read the stories and the articles about John Lewis. And here's a man who was honored this week after, in, in his uh, uh, home going to heaven because he is precisely the kind of person that courageously got out on the edge and literally, literally led the way in the battle for equality, leading the way across that bridge in Selma, Alabama, and suffering a concussion at the billy clubs of the police because he dared to speak up for voter rights. It's just, it's amazing to have people in our world that have have moved the, the, the needle forward, moved the path forward because they were willing to hear God's call to say, I have a plan for your life and your life is to make the world a better place. Our theme verse for this series is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, one of my favorite verses. And it says this in, uh, in, in, in the, living, the Living Bible, the older version of the Living Bible, it says, by his mighty power at work within us, God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our desires, our thoughts, or our hopes. So here's the thing. God is always looking for ordinary people who are just crazy and trusting enough to step out of their comfort zone and get on the leading edge of a God-sized dream or a God-sized cause and discover what God can do through them. Many of you, like me, when, when you were a kid, there were three magic words that would inspire courage. I spoke about this years ago, and I, and I remembered as I was preparing this, the words are this, I dare you. I dare you. So much was done because of those three words, I dare you. I dare you. When you heard those words, you could step up and fight the bully who was picking on the poor kid, the frail kid. To do that, you could hurdle the creek and try to do things that you never did before. Some amazing feats of courage were done when the dare is thrown down. But let's be honest, sometimes some amazing acts of stupidity are done when a dare is thrown down too. See, there's bad dares and there's good dares. A bad dare would be to do something dangerous or immoral or illegal just for the thrill of it. How many of us have ever done something like that, have accepted, done some pretty bad things, pretty dumb things because of a dare? A good dare, however would be to do those things, to stand up to the bully. To, a good dare would be to take the training wheels off of that bike and go without them. A good dare would be to 
to be able to say, uh, all right, it's the bottom of the seventh year on third base, steal home. That's a great dare. I dare you to try that. A good dare would be even to risk rejection by letting your feelings be known to that person that you had an attraction to. These are, these are just a few of the many daring things that we do when we're kids, and it's no wonder that there's so much drama in our childhood years. Life in our growing up years is pretty thrilling, but you see what happens is as we grow older, we become less adventuresome. The daring wildness of youth steadily wanes as grown-up responsibilities and the routines of life with their tame, have their taming power over us. And so rather than hearing the words, I dare you, we hear the words, we hear the voice saying, play it safe. You know, make the sure bet. Just go with the flow. You know, take it easy. Don't risk losing. And yet, I believe that deep inside every one of us, there is that little kid that still wants to be daring, that still wants to be heroic. When I read the biblical accounts of people like Abraham and Moses and Daniel and Gideon and Esther and Peter and Paul and all of these people, I, I feel my heart beating a little faster and I sense the Spirit's voice saying, Billy, I dare you. Abraham received the dare. If you have your scripture and you want to turn there, you're welcome to do that. You can follow along in your app. I don't have my phone with me, but I encourage you to download the Riverside app. But in Genesis 12, we see the Lord calling this man named Abram. His name was changed to Abram later. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So what we see here is God is daring Abraham, Abram at that time to just to trust God, to leave the familiar and go, to have faith that, that God was going to do two things. Number one, God was going to bless him, and the second thing was that God was going to make him a blessing to all the peoples on earth through Abraham's offspring. So what I'm finding here is that God is a daring God, meaning that God is always daring his people to step out in faith, to, to launch out into something that is unknown to them, but known to God. Because of Abraham's faith, he's called the father of faith. He had no idea where the road would take him but he believed that God was a good God and that God would do good things through him. Do you believe that? Do you still believe that God is a good God? Do, do you still believe that God wants to do good things through you to accomplish good things in the world because he put you here on this earth for a purpose? 
Years ago when I preached on this, I come up with the definition of faith. And I believe this to this day, that faith, the word faith, is the dare to believe in and work toward the better future that God desires. It's the dare to believe in, not just to believe, but to work also toward that. See, a lot of people say, I have faith. I believe the right things. I believe Jesus was born of a virgin. I can repeat the creed. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe that he suffered and died. And on the third day, he wrote, I believe I have my doctrine right. I like James. He says, don't, don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you believe. If you have faith and it doesn't do anything, your faith is dead. And that's why I believe that God is always calling us to, to get out on the edge a little bit, to step out in front of God's will and God's plan. Going back to our theme verse, Ephesians 3.20, it says, by his mighty power at work within us. Notice that. By his power, well, great, I believe God has all the power. God, you're going to do a great work, and God has a plan to do that great work. And you know what God's plan is? You. You're God's plan to do his work. Oh, no, 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 God. No, no, I, that's not me. But that's by his mighty power at work within us, you and me, God is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare ask or even dream of. I think I hear the Holy Spirit throwing a dare down here. Some, however, read this as if we're to be the ones throwing the dare down to God. But no, no, we're not daring God. God's daring us. And so I think there's two things that God wants us to realize here, wants you and me both and all of us to realize. Number one is we are not daring enough. Would, would, you, would you be courageous enough to admit that? Would you just say, I am not daring enough. I am not daring enough. God is able to do more than I would ever dare ask or hope. And God is daring us to dare God to do more through us, more than we could ever ask or imagine. The second thing that God wants us to see here is that God dares to believe in you. God dares to believe in me. Can you just say that? God dares to believe in me. Some of you will say that with a question mark. God dares to believe in me. Yes, you. Yes, you too. By his power at work within you, God is able. God wants you to believe that he can do more through you than you even know you could do. Dare to believe that that God still works. The good God that's at work in you wants to be at work through you too. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to work through God's people? Are you one of God's people? That includes you. That includes me. And I'm always saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for just settling in. Forgive me as I grow older to just become more content. Living by faith is a life on the front edge of God's plan of redemption. And redemption not only for the souls of human beings, but redeeming what is broken in this world and making things right again. So life on the edge, not just faith, life on the edge dares 
to believe in and to work toward the better future that God desires. Again, here's some examples of the desired future in the subsequent year. God desired to make a nation out of which all other nations would be blessed. So he said, Abraham, I dare you. Leave your home and go to the land that I will show you. God desired to set his people from slavery. So God says, Moses, I dare you. Go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. God desired to rescue a nation from the oppression of the Midianites. So God says to Gideon, Gideon, I dare you with 300 men and some trumpets and jars and torches to defeat the whole Midianite army. God desired to save a remnant of exiles in Persia. So God said to Esther, Esther, I dare you, approach the king uninvited in order to expose Haman's evil plot. God desired to take the good news to the world. And he said to Peter, Peter, I dare you, leave your nets, follow me, get out of the boat, feed my sheep, wait in Jerusalem till you've been clothed with power on high. Believe that God loves those unclean Gentiles. Accept them. Take up your cross, Peter, and follow me. God desired to show what God is like, what his kingdom is like, and what his kingdom is all about, and how much he loves and desires to forgive. And so he said to Jesus, I dare you, be born suffer, live a sinless life, show, show the world what God is like. In just a few minutes, we're going to partake of communion together. And so if you would just do what I've done and grab whatever you can find to symbolize the body and the blood of Christ. And at the end of the message in a few minutes, we'll partake together. Thank God that Jesus was daring enough to say yes to the Father's call. But do you believe that, that God is still daring people to trust him? To use him to bless others? To advance God's loving justice and mercy in the world? To, to bless someone else's day and someone else's life? Do you believe that? Because I think a lot of us have, self, have faith, but it's, it's kind of a self-limiting faith. Yeah, I believe God is daring others, but not me. I'm, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too busy or I'm just not spiritual enough. I have these thoughts that I have and I do things that I'm not proud of. God can't use me. Here's the thing. Courageous faith, life on the edge, does not depend on how qualified or how capable you are, but on how capable and how qualified is the object of your faith. In other words, faith isn't about you, it's about the one in whom you are trusting, in whom you have faith. This is what Paul wrote about in his letter to the Romans in chapter four. Speaking of Abraham, he said, against all hope, Abraham believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. 
And, and without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration because Abraham did waver a bit. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave God glory, gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what God had promised. So Abraham is really the model, our, our, our model of faith, a father of faith. But you know, this is what I love about the Bible. It doesn't hide the blemishes of our heroes. It doesn't hide their failures and their faults. Actually, Abraham wasn't as impressive as we might think about him in retrospect. Because in Genesis, it tells the story in the very next chapter that God called Abraham to go. God goes, and he gets to where God said to go, and then he ends up having to go to Egypt because there's famine or whatever, and he gets there and he lies because Pharaoh gets attracted to his wife, Sarah, and he says, oh, no, she's not my wife. She's my Sarah. Here, or she's my sister. Here, take her. What? Same thing happened several chapters later. And then there's the, the Hagar episode. By the way, by the way, Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran to go. And so 11 years later, they're there in, in the land, but no children. Sarah says, okay, we're waiting for God to do something here. We're doing our part. God's not doing his part. So she comes up with her plan to say, well, how about we just help God out a little bit? Abraham, why do you take my servant girl, Hagar, and let her be our surrogate mother? You can father a child through her. Let's just help God out a bit to do this. Abraham didn't say, no, Sarah, I think that's a bad idea. He said, all right, <laughs> if you say so. And so he did, and he fathered, he fathered Ishmael through Hagar. That was not God's plan. 13 years later, he's 99 years old, still not a child through his wife, Sarah. God sends messengers and says, this time next year, you're going to have a child. Abraham didn't say, great, I believe you. No, he fell on his face and laughed, and he said, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? You're kidding me. And Sarah's laughing in the tent too. You see, Abraham is, not, is deliberately not presented in the Old Testament as this spiritual genius who invented ethical monotheism. He's this averaged, confused, somewhat superstitious, cowardly man. But his faith was strong. And how is it so strong? And it's because he chose to wait on God to provide him a son. And he realized that only God could do that. He could do nothing. 
Paul says that Abraham knew that his body was good as dead. He was an old man with an old wife and he didn't allow his life to be determined by, by what was possible due to human ability and power. Abraham was completely dependent upon God. That's the point that Paul is making in Romans. You see, the thing about Abraham's story is Abraham's not the hero of his story. God is. God's the hero of the story. God is the hero. Abraham put his faith in the God who called him by name and led him where, he, where God told him to go. And that's the good news. This is why Jesus says you only need a little bit of faith, just the faith of a mustard seed, because it's not about the size of your faith, it's about the size of your God. It's better for him to put a little bit of faith in a big God than a whole lot of faith in a little God. You see, it's not the quantity or even the quality of your faith that saves you. It is the object of your faith that saves you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who wants to work in you and through you. It's by the power of the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. That's the good news. That's why Paul inserts this description of God in Romans chapter 17, or chapter 4, verse 17. He says, Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God, I love this, who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Wow. What a God. What a God. The God who calls things into being that were not. The God who created all things, who brings order out of chaos and says to, 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 to humanity, to his people, to his children, now, it's, now I give it to you. I empower you to help bring order out of chaos in your generation. Bring to life things that were dead. Adam's old body and Sarah's old womb were really pointing to a son. Not, not just Isaac, but to a descendant of all of those descendants whose name was Jesus. Jesus is the object of our faith. One writer said, there has never been anyone like Jesus. His life, his love, his teaching, his sacrificial death on the cross, and his resurrection all express his uniqueness. You can bet everything you have on Jesus. You will not be able to find a better object for your faith. It's worth betting everything, every moment, every gift, and every possession on this man, Jesus. If you're not placing everything at the feet of Jesus, then you're missing the greatest opportunity anyone ever had. And so I sense the Holy Spirit calling you, calling me, saying, can you just get out on the edge? Just step out on the edge. Can you, can you take a, a leap of faith? Maybe you're here today and your faith is as good as dead. <clears throat> You've given up hope. As far as you're concerned, there's, there's just no reason to get up in the morning any longer. 
And I want to pray for you because I know circumstances are not encouraging these days. But I want you to know we have a God that's bigger than the plague, that's bigger than the pandemic, that's bigger than politics. I want you to know, as I've said before, and I'm going to say it many times, we don't look to the left or to the right, we look above. We look to the God who calls us by name, who knows us best and loves us most. God still wants you to be a blessing to somebody. Everybody can bless somebody. Really, Abraham was called to be a blessing to the nations. Everybody can bless somebody. God is able to do more, wants to do more, than you even realize. And he can do it through you. So, a couple questions I want to ask before we wrap up here, before we have communion, is what is just, what is just one way the Spirit might be asking you to bless somebody, even today? What's just one way? You say, well, it's not, it has to be, per-. no, no, no. Simple things done little things done over a period of time are cumulative and God can use the little things that you can do to touch somebody's life it might be just make a phone call to somebody today you know you'll find as you bless others you become blessed you'll find as you become a blessing to others your mood will shift your mood will change As you think of ways that God might be able to use you to volunteer somehow, some way, God can use you. Maybe it's just saying, hey, I just was thinking about you today and I was praying for you. I want you to know God loves you and he cares for you. I'm thinking about you. I just want you to know that God's been thinking about you too and he wants you to know that. So what's one way the Spirit is asking you to bless somebody today? Can you think about one thing that you can do and put that on your to-do list? You know, it'd be a great thing every day have a to-do list. Many of you do that. I do that. I get up every day and I make a little to-do list. And at the end of the day, I look and ask and see if I did anything. (laughs) Sometimes that's true. But I do like to check those checks. I like to, I like to cross those things off. Would it be great every day? Some of those to-do lists. I, I, I want to bless this person. I want to do this for that person. Second question is, what's one righteous cause that the Spirit is asking me to get out in front of? What's one way that I can be on the right side of history? Is it righting a wrong? I, I, you know, I think of Gary Caldwell, who's since passed, and his wife Becca, and how he and they went out on a cause to try to stem human trafficking and help to produce a documentary and get the word out and find ways for people to get active in, in the cause of human trafficking. Maybe it's helping somebody who can't help themselves. I think of John and Judy Dick at the Rosedale Food Bank that are feeding a couple hundred families every week. People serving at the blessing board, helping to volunteer to put furniture in people's homes who are desperate. 
Maybe it's repairing somebody or something that's broken. Maybe volunteering to do some handiwork to somebody's house who might can't do it themselves or elderly, a single parent or an elderly person. Maybe it's forgiving somebody who hurt you or better yet, seeking forgiveness to somebody who you hurt. Bringing redemption, repair. Perhaps it's just sharing God's love with people. There are so many ways. God wants to do more than we could ever ask or dare ask or imagine. Don't worry if you have enough faith. Don't focus on the quality of your faith or the quantity of your faith. Focus on Jesus, the object of your faith. James writes that Abraham was called a friend of God because he put his faith into action. Are you a friend of God? And if you're wondering that, I want to tell you that yes, you are. God calls you his own. And and, and, and know that you have been accepted, that you've been forgiven, that you've been loved by God. And let the knowledge of that just energize you and energize the way you live and let your, your cup overflow so that others may be blessed. Don't live your life based on the quantity or the quality of your faith. Live your life based on the knowledge of you know that you serve a great God, a loving God. He's the object of your faith. And this faith is a gift of God. It's not something you earn. It's, it's the God who works to bring you and to make you right with, to bring you God's love and make you right with God. So I want to ask you and I want to pray for you before we go into communion. What, what part of your life are you struggling to trust God? Where and how are you struggling to get out on the edge? What's holding you back? What are your self-limiting thoughts that are saying, that are keeping? What are your excuses? Put it bluntly. What are your excuses? God's saying, hey, you can do something. You can bless someone. Can I pray for you? God, I pray for everyone who is hearing today my voice and pondering this story of Abram and so many in Scripture that got out on the edge and made a difference in their world. And God, I pray for anyone here today who feels like they are just excluded from the family of God and today they're wondering if they can Maybe even take that first leap of faith and say yes to God. Say, God, I, I, I want to believe in you. I want to believe that, 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 that you have a better plan for this world than what I'm seeing all around me. And I want to believe in your way and your will and your plans. And so, God, I just want to take a step of faith and open my heart to you and to the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit of God, come into my life. Forgive me for the wrongs that I've done and help me to sense God's love and mercy and forgiveness in my life because of what Jesus did by dying on the cross for me and for all who would put their hope and trust in him and all the 
people of the world, God. Thank you that Jesus was daring enough to do what he did for me. I want to be daring enough to be his hands and feet extended to others. And I want to be daring enough to believe that he did that even for me. Jesus, I love you. I accept you. Fill me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And help me hear your voice, that still small voice that assures me of who I am in Christ and to call the dare of God to step out on the edge and do something for him. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.